everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm here with John, who is sleepless in Seattle. Yes, I am. I'm uh, on a short business trip in Seattle and I'm exhausted, but great. glad to be here. We've got Ben, who is LA Confidential. I am also exhausted after having a newborn kid and waking up every three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that. And I am here in Tokyo, lost in translation. Hi, everyone. <laughs> So as usual, we're going to start off with the football moments of the week. Um, ben, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, only the most important football moment for all Man U fans is we've finally sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after losing to Watford, getting thrashed by Watford. Um, and I'll admit, I was watching the game and I was hoping we would not come back. <laughs> When Donny van der Beek scored, I was like, oof, for, for a moment there, look, we were, looked like we were going to equalize. And then um, our captain really stepped up and got himself sent off, which, <laughs> <laughs> which cemented the, the thrashing. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy he got sacked. Um, the Manu board is obviously incompetent, so there's no one really lined up. Um, so we can talk FBL a bit later, but I personally don't expect results to change while they have this interim uh, Carrick-Fletcher combo, because they're basically the same backroom staff that have led us to this uh, terrible set of results. But it will be interesting to see what interim manager we can get or potentially if we can convince a good manager to, to come earlier. But uh, yeah, it was big news. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad what would be us, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and they didn't just beat us, right? They humiliated us. <laughs> yeah. Even actually, even better in terms of getting rid of Solskjaer. Even better, the best players and the only players to emerge with any credit were Van der Beek and Sancho, who he hasn't been giving game time to. Like it completely, like it wasn't just a humiliation of the club; it was a personal humiliation of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, for getting rid of him, it was the perfect result. And I was the same. By the end of the game, I was just like, make it worse. Just just like rip off, rip, rip off the band-aid, <laughs> get rid of it. Like this can't, this can't go on. Um, so yeah, that has happened. But I am slightly worried that we're going to have Steve Bruce as our next manager. <laughs> Would you prefer Steve Bruce or Sam Allardyce? Oh, well, it's a few. I right? got Mark Hughes, <laughs> Ryan Giggs, uh, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I think of what we of the names that have been mentioned so far. I think that's who I choose. <laughs> You know, you know why these are all terrible ideas, though, right? Not just because they're probably bad managers, but because they're all club legends. And what you're going to do is you're going to do the same thing you did with Solskjaer. You're going to, if you appoint a club legend who the fans love, and then they go on a good run of results before the end of the season, you can't then not hire them. And then you're stuck in the same position that you've been in for these last three years. Well, I think that's true. Of, I don't think that's true of Steve Bruce, for example. <laughs> like. He's of a legend, but he's but he's you know menu history, and I'm sure well, it's, fans love him. It's also longer ago, um, and so I think his managerial career has more like is more front of mind for uh, for, the, for today's fans than his playing career, which obviously wasn't true with Solskjaer. Hmm. Just ask. Seems like you're asking for trouble. 
right? Like I thought that when you appointed Solskjaer and that's exactly what happened. And you can just see yourself getting in that situation though, right? We're not asking. We're just, uh, this is what we think is really going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wouldn't want to yeah. be a Man U fan now. Well, the, the, good, the good outcome here is a while ago, they were talking about um, getting in like, well, the name the name mentioned was Ralph Rangnick, but anybody who's like a really old manager that might move upstairs at the end of the season, yeah, um, somebody like him, I think, would be the best outcome we can hope for right now because he's not only a like a, a seasoned and like proper manager, but he's also got experience of um, uh, at Leipzig of being like in the senior um, like football operations team, so. I, I, that's, that's the that's the only good outcome I can see from this. Okay. And then, do you have? Uh, do you both have someone in mind particular? I, I know who my mind goes straight to uh, for the long term appointment. Hopefully, at the end of the season. Um, well, once you rule out the people who we who I don't think would take the job, <laughs> um, my pick would be Eric Ten Hag. My axe. Interesting. Interesting, Ben. Yeah, I I agree. I I I know Pochettino is also quite favoured, and I wouldn't mind Poch either. You wouldn't take it. Why would he leave PSG for this? There's no way he'd take the job. Well, PSG well, is well, a rumors. terrible club to manage because of the owners and everything. So a man, yeah. you by the way, but <laughs> right. Why would he? Why would he switch that? For, like he, he's got he, either he can manage a team that he's going to win trophy. Eventually, he's finally going to win a trophy with them. Um, and he's managing Messi and Neymar and Mbappe and God knows who else they want to buy. Right? Like, why would he switch that for this dumpster fire? Well, I think I actually think he wanted. I just got the impression as a Tottenham fan that the one club he, well, a couple of clubs he might leave Tottenham for when he was, you know, with us, which was Real Madrid and Man United. Um, Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid would have probably been the one. Manu just being harder to go to another Premier League club, you know, with it's, it's not a big rivalry, but there is some sort of rivalry there, and he might not have wanted to do it with, uh, until after he got fired. But after he got uh, left Tottenham, I, I just thought that it was just a case of when will Solskjaer get fired so that Pochettino can take over. But that moment just never came. Um, so yeah, giving up PSG now might be a bit hard, but then all the rumours were that he's not enjoying himself there. The only yeah. factor that might want to keep him there is Messi because he's a diehard, you know, patriot of an Argentinian, and Messi's just just got to be his wet dream to manage. Do you think he would do well, Manu, John? I do. I think he's a fantastic manager. I think he'd do well almost anywhere. Yeah. Although he did manage to finish second in a one-horse race last season. Yeah. Well, his, that's, his, that's, that's his question mark, isn't it? Is we know that he's good at taking average teams to near the top. <laughs> but can he, take, can he take an above-average team to the very top, right? Uh, it's a different breed. I he hasn't done it yet. But I, like, I would take him in a flash. I, the reason I would go, go to Ten Hag is because I don't think Pochettino would take the job. Therefore, having ruled him out, I'd go to Ten Hag. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, Brendan Rodgers, so hopefully he doesn't get it. I mean, he's, a, he's an improvement on Oli, but 
like I don't think that he we need somebody who, who with a track record that is going to make like who the second they walk in the dressing room changes the atmosphere right that's what we need yeah and it's not and it, they don't even necessarily need to be the best like every manager has like different attributes that they're great at right for us the actual perfect manager would be Jurgen Klopp because he would walk into the room smile and everybody would smile with him right and everything would change right that's what we really need right now um but uh so i think probably pochettino is the best of best like shot that we have i agree anyway let's move on to repeating the same stuff um john do you have the moment of the week oh moment uh well I, I, watching the the tottenham game this weekend you know can't still our new manager that I and other Tottenham fans getting used to just uh, watching him, the way he interacts with the fans, it was, was brilliant. I mean, he was like revving up the fans. We Tottenham had a pretty bad first half. And uh, even in the second half, when we came alive much more, you know, his team talk seemed to have a big effect, but even in the second half, um, we didn't exactly play brilliantly. Just, we just played a bit better, but his, uh, his game management, and his revving up the fans at the right times, uh, it just it just started to make, as a Tottenham fan, just started to make you feel good about the club again. So my moment of the week was he was, was Kant just being Kant. He um he's funny, isn't he? Like he's he's had that at all of the clubs that he's been at. The the fans have really reacted well to him. So yeah, um, I expect that's going to be a long term feature, of course. He has a history of turning the fans against the board as well. So uh, yeah. that, should, that, that, that doesn't sound like it's going to be very difficult at Tottenham. <laughs> no, he's a target. He picked an easy target in Daniel. Uh, but it's, it's just refreshing at the moment and his passion's contagious. And it, it might, uh, you know, you just always think it's probably going to burn bright and then, uh, but not burn long. But I've just if if that is the case, you've got to really enjoy it while it lasts, you know. Indeed, a good moment, a good moment. All right, we'll, we'll come back to a couple of those um, later in the podcast. Um, but for now, our first topic is that we have three teams that all have new managers at the moment. We've got Sir Stephen Gerrard has come in at Aston Villa, Eddie Howe at Newcastle, and Dean Smith at Norwich. So Ben, uh, what would you like to tell us about this? Yeah, I think. There's always an expectation of you know new manager bounce, and there was a degree of that for each of the teams. So Norwich won, Villa won, um, Newcastle drew. I think from an FPL standpoint, uh, I think the most interesting one is Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Um, amazingly, he's only had a week, and he's turned them into Bournemouth, essentially, where... I think they had more possession than Brentford. Um, they had over 20 shots. Um, so I think previously, where Newcastle weren't a very attractive uh, team attacking-wise, um, now they might be a little bit more interesting. I think the most interesting player for me is um, Sam Maximan. He's still a bit pricey at 6.8, but he got a goal and assist against Brentford. And then, um, you know, they have Arsenal next, but after that, they have Norwich and Burnley at home. Um, so, yeah, Eddie Howe transforming uh, Newcastle, I thought was interesting. Uh, I think of, for the other teams, Villa, Villa, kind of more wait and see. Um, 
it looks like they played fairly similar, like four three three formation. Um, apparently, Ollie Watkins played pretty well, scored a goal. Uh, but when you look at Villa's fixtures, they actually are pretty tough. So they have Palace away, Man City, Leicester, Liverpool. Um, so I think in those four games, probably can wait and see and see how they play. And then and then they have a bit of an easier fixture run. Um, Norwich, I'm just generally not interested in. I, I know Todd Cantwell came back. He was a bit of a FPL legend last season because he was like 4.5 million um Timu Puki finally scored uh scored back-to-back goals um but I don't know I just I'm just not interested in Norwich so uh although they had a new manager bounce they they don't particularly convince me yet so um I, I keep an eye on Newcastle I think is my was my biggest takeaway from the new managers yeah John anything to add well I do wonder what Hal uh, did because not only was he only there for one week, but he also caught COVID and wasn't even at the game. <laughs> um, but he's somehow completely changed their entire approach, the way they play, and like you said, they've transformed into Bournemouth in that space of time. Um, it's, it's just yeah, it's 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 incredible. So like certainly, uh, be looking at uh, maximum, but also uh, I was considering Wilson bef- uh, beforehand. Uh, even before Bruce got fired, I was considering um, Wilson for whenever they had the right run of fixtures. They've got a sort of half decent run of fixtures at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm being cautious. I don't want to jump on board too soon, but it's but it's hard to ignore Newcastle attackers. Um, and then oh, in terms of... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the only other thing about Eddie Howe teams too is they concede a lot of goals. So... It may yeah. be interesting, like trying to target Newcastle, <laughs> um, because yeah, defensively, his teams are not normally very good. Yeah. All oh, right. So if you're if you're playing a, if the teams are playing against Newcastle, yeah, and they run a fix, it's only going to be one game and a set of fixtures though, so it might be hard to accomplish that. Um, but then in terms of Norwich, I'm just, I mean, I, I'm not going to go in on Norwich in a big way. Uh, I mean, Gilmore is playing again, and he could be a good like sub midfielder, which are you know hard to come by. Because um, I think he's last I checked, I think he was at four point four million. He he actually had a decrease, so, like he's you know worth considering for that. Uh, but then Puki, I've had in and out of my team. I did my my you know I've, I've in many of these podcasts talked about my structure. And what it basically allows me for the one budget striker slot uh, is to choose between Tony and Puki all season and to try to bring them in or out based on fixtures. And I've gotten it so wrong. Um, I've had Tony whenever Puki's been scoring and vice versa. And it doesn't seem to correlate with their fixtures at all because I've moved them in and out based on fixtures. Uh, But I've avoided all of their points. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, and so I just know if I put Puki back in for Tony now, he's he's going to stop scoring. So get get both, to... John. Yeah, get both. <laughs> you can rotate them in, with substitutions, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, I just it's just a headache. So rather than waste transfers on it, I think I'm just going to stick with Tony for a while, for as long as I can bear it. Um, but he he did all right this week. Uh, but yeah, no, not jumping on board with Norwich. Uh, just yet. 
and, and Villa, yeah, also just waiting and seeing. Um, it, it, Ings is the one that might come alive. I think he spearheaded the front three, and a lot of people backed him at the start of the season, uh, and then went away from him because he hasn't he hasn't been on fire at all this season. But a great player who we know is capable of scoring goals. I'm just uh, I'll keep watching him. All right, interesting stuff. A couple of players that, that neither of you have mentioned that I'm quite interested in. Uh, the first one, he didn't play this week, but um, with Eddie Howe, re like re being reunited with Eddie Howe, is Ryan Fraser one to watch at 5.3 million, super cheap? Yeah, if he can, if he can uh, rekindle his connection with Callum Wilson, um, I think it's a matter of time before Ryan Fraser starts. I think Eddie Howe loves him. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's another wait and see one. Um, but yeah, it was mad. Was it two seasons ago? One season ago, Fraser Wilson was like, they were must-haves for Bournemouth. So, yeah. I wonder so if they can re re rekindle that. Yeah, with those three, oh. Eddie, same manager as well. Um, the other one that was one that was, uh, uh, you know, big favorite at the start of the season but has uh, not really done it so far for Villa is Emi Buendia do you think he might uh, might respond to you Gerard? I, I um, my team's named after him and I backed him at the start of the season and I, I really like him as a player um, and I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's again a wait and see one I want to make sure that he's going to be in the team every week um, but if and if he's played in enough of an attacking you know, role consistently, but uh, but as a player, certainly, if he's if he's playing and if he's playing uh, in an uh, you know in a position where he might be able to get in and amongst the goals, I will pick him. All right, solid recommendation there from John. Very uh, very clear. Well, he's he's uh, he's an all rounder. Like he he's he's great going forward. He's great at playing killer passes. He's great at curling in you know long shots. Um, even taking free kicks and things, but he uh, he's also got defensive attributes, and so there might be a temptation to uh, have him do some of the hard graft. In which case, you know that's bad for his fantasy football returns, and uh, that's my only reservation. Yeah, with Villa, they've also got, of course, Leon Bailey, who didn't play this week, um, so they've got kind of lots of options in those attacking the field and, and, and wide roles, right? So. We don't know where he's going to play yet, but good. Let's let's move on from that, shall we, to the next um, the next point, which is John's favourite. John, tell us about Tottenham. Yeah, I love having this the, the regular topic, uh, the the Tottenham corner that we should do every week. Um, but as I mentioned in my moment, Cons clearly had some sort of an impact, um, getting the passion back in the club. Uh, it hasn't necessarily borne fruit on the pitch yet. We got the win, um, and I do think he was a big factor in that. But we didn't play fantastic football. The you know Son and Kane are still not flowing, and I just keep captaining in Kane because I'm an idiot. But he uh, he he seems like he's just really close to making that breakthrough. Uh, Son actually has never stopped playing well this season, and so he's still a solid pick, even though he didn't get points this game. On. But uh, I said in uh, you know one of our recent 
pod about uh, I guess it was our last pod about uh, when Kant came in that Reguilon would be a great pick, and he's delivered this week with a with a goal. And um, the I, I still think wing backs seem like a, a great choice. I think so. So that's Emerson and Reguilon on, on our uh, two wing back positions. The only thing. Uh, though we also discussed the danger of someone else coming in and replacing them. Sessegnon did come on with about 20 minutes left, and he, look, he had a, a moment where he, he, he just looks like a better option going forward than Regulon. In, in those 20 minutes, he had a breakaway where he almost got an assist. And I can see how he's more of a natural fit for, for Kant's formation, even though he's not as proven as Regulon, and Regulon's the better, uh, probably the better defender. Sessegnon's more likely to um, actually get goals and assists directly, but just has to, you know, work his way into the team. So that's so that's a threat in terms of of, of what might happen. Um, but you know, trying to be unbiased, which is very hard. It's it, it might still be too early to to go all in on Tottenham, right? It's got to play it sort of carefully. We've got this run of fixtures, and so you probably want at least one Tottenham player in your team right now, um, but probably don't want to get too carried away because we, we haven't quite clicked yet. Agree. I watched the game and I got too carried away. I'm also an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> I brought in Kane this week for a hit and I captained him stupidly um because i was convinced that you know conte had you know two weeks with the team kane scored back-to-back hat tricks over the international break i watched leeds against norwich and they were terrible like their the defenders were terrible i was convinced you know spurs would smash them but as john said it's too early i even even after the game I would not bring in Kane or Son in yet. It's definitely wait and see. Um, I jumped the gun and now I have to live with my terrible decision. <laughs> um, but I'm going to stick with it because there, there are like glimmers of potential. Like Son hit the crossbar. Kane had that one-on-one that he should have scored. Yeah. I was so mad that he missed that. Um, so there are like fleeting signs that they may get it together, but I would, I if I would wait and see, just because they're like so expensive to get in. Yeah. Um, but most, yeah, being a Spurs fan most, today was, most of the, was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> most most of the game, our, our attack just didn't get going at all. Uh, they couldn't hold on to possession for some reason. We're we're at home against Leeds, and we had forty one percent possession. And so even in the second half, we still weren't dominating possession, even though we played better. Um, and you just want them to take more control of a game like that, and they just never, never did. So, I still can't get my head around the fact that Tottenham seems to be like really good at defending and bad at attacking. I just doesn't like. I can't make my brain understand that. Yeah, they're not yeah. that good at defending, to be honest. But they just have more, I, I guess, a solid formation, right? It looks like a very solid structure because yeah, when we were on the back foot. It looked like a flat back five with two, yeah. mid- two midfielders in front of them, and Leeds actually did very well for their goal. They just it was a very like 
good piece of skill um uh, on the wing and then and 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 then just they they just looked sharp and James got in ahead of the the defenders but it wasn't it wasn't due to any sort of tactical weakness and they didn't have a, a great number of chances other than that so yeah they did look quite defensively strong but uh yeah just couldn't just couldn't click in the attacking areas okay good good advice from john um well the other side of that of course is ben uh we've got a big been a, been a big week at man united as we've already discussed um obviously i don't go over that that background again but what do you think is going to happen next to united um i would not i would continue to steer <laughs> well clear of manu assets um mainly because we we are retaining essentially the ex exact same backroom staff as for now who are tactically clueless <laughs> um <laughs> And we have Chelsea and Arsenal. I would imagine, and then Palace, who are playing, who are flying right now. Um, I think if Carrick is in charge of those games, I, I expect we will definitely lose to Chelsea, probably Arsenal, maybe Palace. Um, but then we do have Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley. I think hopefully by then there'll be a new manager in place and. Um, we can kind of see how uh, Manuel playing. I think I'm quite happy in, that I have Kane, not in the sense of he's actually scoring points, but it makes getting Ronaldo potentially easier for that fixture run if the new manager can get it together. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, having Son to potentially I could turn into Bruno if the new manager helps him rediscover some of his form from, from last year. Um, but yeah, I think it's all too early right now. And I will be happily rolling out my Chelsea players against Manu this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're the only one. <clears throat> I think the, uh, the advice on Manu seems like it's, it's stayed the same then really. Um, we suspected that Oli would get sacked over the course of this run. He has, um, and it would be madness to bring in my new players before uh, before the, the difficult fixtures. So, then we said before, wait until after the Palace game and see what's happening then, right? I, I mean, do we know what to expect at all from from Carrick in terms of a formation and a approach? Lots of sideways passing. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's it. We know him as a player, but I would feel much better about Manu if they actually played Carrick in midfield because that's exactly what you need right now. Yeah, ironically, at the time, like um, for, for listeners on the pod, I used to really get frustrated with Michael Carrick when uh, when he was a Man United player, or all but the last couple of years of his career, because uh, he just didn't have what it took. Like he can't play in a two-man midfield. But nobody plays two-man midfield anymore, so he'd be perfect for the modern game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. He's exactly what we need. Anyway, um, another team that I'm going to go off script here. Um, I've just realised there's another team that we, we probably should discuss is Arsenal. Um, Arsenal, who have been on a really good run of late and have a lot of very cheap players who are playing first team. Um, I've got Tommy Asso and Smith-Rowe, maybe people have Ben White and Bukayo Saka. Um, and they've just got absolutely spanked by Liverpool. 
Um, do we think that they will be able to carry that and regain their previous form? Um, or do we think they will fall apart and it's time to lose their assets? Oh, I, I can, I watched that game and uh, part of my, my terrible week was also not only my support of Tottenham, but my support of Arsenal. Because <laughs> I, was, I was also thinking this week was the perfect time to potentially not captain Salah. Because Arsenal were doing well. They looked defensively solid. They could have gone above Liverpool. I was like, surely there's no way they're going to get thrashed again, again at Anfield. And what happened? They got, they got thrashed again. And honestly, I got, we got away with cap, not Captain Salah because he could have scored way more Like watching that game. He like missed some chances. They squandered a bunch of chances as well. Mm. Um, I do think it's a blip, though, in the sense of um, Arteta tried to play out from the back against Liverpool, and I don't think they had the quality to do that. But I still think they're, they're a good team. Um, I, I expect they'll beat Newcastle next. Um, I think the Manu game could be quite a telling game where it'll it'll kind of show how good Arsenal are this season. If we have a new manager in place at Old Trafford, um, if Arsenal are really uh, legitimate this season, I think they'll win. Uh, but if they kind of regress and crack under the pressure like they did against Liverpool. Um, man, you could win that game as well. So I think that'll be a really interesting game to watch to see how far Arsenal have progressed. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned. So I've got uh, White and Ramsdale, and I'm not going to sell them right away. Uh, but I'm concerned because I had a theory about Arsenal, and this Liverpool game might have proven my theory wrong. Um, my theory was that party really holds their defence together because I think the defensive midfield is so important. Um, in, in making defenders' jobs easier. And I tend to look, uh, when I want to see which teams are, are going to be you know, good defensively in a certain season, I tend to look at their defensive midfield even before I look at the actual personnel in their defence. Um, and Partey, you know, had been had, had several injuries and they seemed to coincide with Arsenal, you know, going, like, playing badly defensively in particular uh, and, and then just not getting results in general. Um, but he played this game. And they got spanked. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, it questions my theory. So, so I'm definitely going to be looking at them with a little bit of concern uh, that they, you know, that, that now that my theory is in question. But, uh, but I'll hold out a little longer because the, you know, Tomiyasu, White, Ramsdale, these are all players at good prices who should long term uh, deliver, continue to deliver well. Um, so I'll just keep my eye on it. All right, fair enough. Sage advice indeed. Okay, um, well, the next topic, uh, which is one for Ben, is um, we've discussed the 5-2-3 formation previously on this pod, and it was, uh, it was quite a, a divisive topic. Um, and over the last few weeks, obviously, we've got more evidence to base this on. So, Ben, where, where's your head at with formations right now? Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this because I ridiculed 523 <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to come back on the pod and say I was incorrect. I was wrong. Um, is, this a, I, is this a formal apology? This is a formal <laughs> apology. But I think the funny thing is, the, uh, I think both you and Andy, who were advocating for it, 
didn't do yeah. didn't do didn't do it <laughs> um and I, i've noticed all the top managers who are doing really well this season that are at least playing four at the back um our good friend michael chen on the pod is doing this so trent cancelo chilwell reese james um all got double digit hauls this week um i thought i could get away with just three of them i think most of us have three of them but it looks like four is actually um the way to go i don't have trent and it's so painful watching liverpool games he he gets so many assists he, he scores free kicks and i think you can make a case for five at the back now with reggie on that we've talked about too um so yeah i think i think i'm too stubborn to do it <laughs> and i'm having a terrible season and i'm just going to stick with my terrible yeah. three five two with son and kane um but i think if 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 i could switch to four at the back easily and maybe do like son to jota tommy Yasu to trent um i may try and do that in the upcoming weeks so i'm just too stubborn to do it now yeah. and if if there's an easy way to do five at the back i think that's also really interesting as well so I so I advocated for uh, five two three on the basis that um, my my first formation my my team is set up to play a four three three but um, my best sub is white uh, and so it becomes a five two three if I have any injuries anywhere other than defence and I was quite happy to let my team roll into a five two three as a as a decent second formation uh, in that situation so that's so that's been continued to be what i've mostly done and so i think i've played five two three about four times so far this season um and i'll continue using it when i need to it just it's just become a, a buzz word on this part <laughs> the, the, the go to well five, two, the, the problem with your five two three john is you don't have reese james or ben show on your five i don't, five, <laughs> I don't. so so, but I do have I do have all the other premiums. So so I've got Cancelo and Diaz, and I didn't I didn't have a great game week this week because Diaz didn't play. I think that's just random Guardiola rotation. Uh, but also Robertson had a niggling injury. He had a seventy five percent chance, according to FBL, that he was going to play, but he didn't. Um, and 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 I you know I've been proven wrong a bit so far on Robertson, but I'm sticking to my guns on him because I still like him. So it's not that I don't have good defenders; I just don't have the the defenders of the moment, which are Chilwell and James. Um, but they, uh, I just you know I'm just worried about picking fullbacks at Chelsea when they could be you know switched at any moment. They just haven't been for a few weeks. I think they're playing well. They're not going to get switched. Those two. Um, yeah, is such a good wing back. Like he's playing so well right now. His dribbling, his positional play, getting the box, and his defending is exceptional as well. Like I don't see how it, like there aren't. I don't think there's anybody in the league right now who could play that position better than he is. Yeah. Um, so I think he's he, he's he's a he's a dead set. And Chilwell probably is more vulnerable for rotation because against a weaker side, Alonso is so good at just like breaking the line and getting into the box and appearing in like random positions that you don't expect and scoring a goal so maybe yeah. he's risk yeah but you know i think i think it is the sensible decision to get on board with at least one of them at this point and i'll, I'll be considering that um and i'm also considering work regulon although uh i would, might have to change my structure a little bit which is why i've been resisting him even though i recommended him um but but you know the the formation 
I think I think the proof for me is the fact that I'm still a novice in this game and I'm quite bad at making the right decisions in the moment. I I regularly captaining the wrong person. I'm making basic mistakes like that, right? Like I've not been captaining in Starler enough and I've lost a ton of points. I've really paid a heavy price for that. Um, and uh, various decisions like that. But despite my noviceness, um, I'm still, you know, doing all right this season. And the only thing I've had going for me this season is that at the very start, I decided that the elite defenders were the way to go this year. And that I'm going to pick, you know, at least four of them. And even and then even revert to a 5-2-3 as my secondary formation. And if it wasn't for these defenders that have so consistently, you know, performed, uh, I wouldn't be anywhere at all. So I know I'm sticking with it. Can I um, venture what I think is wrong with the 5-2-3? Is that um, it's got three strikers in it and the strikers are rubbish this season. Yeah, I think I think the formation is five four one, um, and that is what I'm playing next week. I'm going to play a five four one, <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Well, they, 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 well, they, there's a problem with that, which is the uh, forward subs are useless. Well, my uh, my first sub is going to be a midfielder. I'm just getting my basically my my strategy uh, at the moment, at least in the short term, until like um, wild card week in January. Until then, my mm. strategy is just going to not be to avoid strikers. So I'm going to be like gradually downgrading all of my strikers to make them all cheap, put all of my money on defenders and midfielders and make my first sub a midfielder. Um, yeah. So then as long as the striker doesn't get injured, I'm fine. And Tony seems pretty robust, so he's going to be my striker. Yeah. Out of interest, though, who are going to be those substitute forwards that you pick? Uh, well, Fang is one of them. Uh, 5.7. Well, as a sub? As a sub, yeah, because he, I, I got him at like five point three or something, so I didn't pay any money for him, and I can't get rid of him now. He's, he's worth he's worth loads more money than I bought him for, so um, I'm not going to get rid of him. And then the other one, I'm trying to pick between um, what's his name of Villa, the the guy he's been playing recently. Like basically, I'm looking for a, 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 the cheapest forward I can find, so either Archer at Villa or you know someone like that. Who who are the four mids you want to roll out every week? Um, right now. Uh, my first choice is Smith, Rosala, Foden, and Son. Okay, that's pretty good. But yeah, I, what I'm considering doing is, at the moment, my my, my fifth midfielder is Ward Prowse at six point three. Um, I've actually got, got got some interesting conundrums here, um, which I guess we'll uh, we'll kind of skip past um, doing our, our teams, haven't we? So I'm not going to do that now. But anyway, um, so my my conundrum really is I've got I, I, I've got three players who I'm unsure about. I've got Ward Prowse at six point three. Um, I'm going to downgrade Odson Edouard to somebody who's worth less than five million, which will leave me with two and a half million in the bank. I've already got a million in the bank. Um, and I've got Laporte and Tomiyasu at the back, who I'm also not sure about, and I want to get in Reese James. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to downgrade Edouard to get the money, upgrade probably Tomiyasu to Reese James. I'll have 0.5, point, well, between 0.5 and 1 million in the bank, depending on price changes. Um, so for Ward Prowse, I can get in somebody worth around seven million or or somebody cheaper. Um, and whoever that person is will probably be my first choice midfielder, and then Smith Rowe will be my first sub. Okay. Um, it, it seems like you might, you know, especially especially uh, with Wang up front, that you might be spending a bit too much on subs. But uh, but in terms of like your your cheap midfielder that you're looking for, 
uh, we mentioned earlier that Gilmore is back in Norwich's side as, as a real budget option. But if you were looking for somebody who might actually pitch in with some points, but still cheap, uh, I think Hoiberg might actually be quite a decent option at Tottenham. He's, um, is he 5 million or 4.9 million? I think he might have gone, gone down to 4.9. <laughs> Don't, but don't let John convince you to get a Hoiberg. That is ridiculous. What if you're looking for a cheap, uh, for a, a slightly expensive sub, or uh, you know, I think which, which is what he's looking for. Um, there's no, there's really no one at the price point, and he to me stands out as someone who's a bit better than what's around him at that price point. Not that, that I'm not yeah. saying that's not what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who will relegate Smith Rowe to the bench. So I'm looking for somebody who's like between six, six point, six point five and seven million in that price range, um, who will be first team. Okay. Well, then I just go back to my previous statement that I think you're spending too much on subs. Um, five point five isn't that much for a first sub. But you've also got Huang. I've also got Huang. He's a five point seven. Yeah, that's true. So I've got two subs who are yeah. above five, five and a half. Um, that is true. Yeah. yeah, the thing with going yeah. big at the back is you have enough money to afford this, right? Especially if your forward is not Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of rolling in money because of this decision, right? So I've got, <laughs> got the money to spend on, on two 5.5 million stuff. The only problem that's is the, like benching, benching yeah. headaches on like who do you play. Yeah, well, Frank's yeah. not going to... Frank will always be a sub. He's never meant to be in my first team. Um... So it'll be between Smith Rowe and somebody else to be in the team. It just seems like quite a lot of money on subs for me. But then you do you do run into this trouble when, you know, everybody, one way to look at the game is points per money spent, right? There's an obvious way to look at um, who who's going to deliver. But it leaves you with problems because it's usually quite easy to find good returns at the very cheap price points. And then you also might, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, premium players, like the very top players, like Salah is an absolute must pick, right? And then there, there might in a given season be two players like that, although there isn't right now. But finding those middle-priced players who still deliver, like to get that balance so that you're not wasting any money anywhere in the team, right? You don't have like nine players who are great in terms of, points per per price and then two that just aren't delivering because you can't find, make them fit with the money you have left right um I, it seems to me like that might be the trouble you're running into with what you just talked about and that's why you've ended up spending too much on subs which i, I I'd, I'd be careful about because that's if, if they're not playing obviously it's money wasted so your your advice then would be to uh to go more premium with some of my first choice Exactly. Yeah. Just you, you, you want to make sure that you're getting the most out of what you've got. But then if you just end up with say like 6.3 million, uh, for, a, a, a well, I don't know what the right price point is, but if you end up with just the wrong amount of money for a certain position where you don't fancy anyone for that amount of money, rather than spend all of it is when you want to reconsider the rest of your team, right? And you've actually hit the nail on the head with where I often end up with my team. Like at this point of the season, I often end up trying to be too clever and get, uh, get a load of mid-price players that I think uh, add up to more than the, 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 some of their parts, and they never do. 
<laughs> you have you have hit the hit the nail on the head there with uh, with my regular picks. But I've got um Alexander Arnold, Salah, and Son as my premium picks. I'm not sure of that. And Cancelo kind of for a defender is a premium pick too. Anyway, we'll move on from that because that's that's all that's all about my team and nothing else. Um all right. So before we uh we, we sign off then, John, do you want to take us through the um the podcast lead? Sure. Well, Havertz, a bit of that, is, is leading uh, the league at the moment with 843 points. And, you know, they've been there or thereabouts for a long time now. Uh, Vincent Hogan having a great, uh, great season. Uh, he's had another great week, uh, or pretty good week, with 78 points. Um, no, like, major surprises, really, in, in uh, his team. He's got, uh, this week, uh, James... And Alexander Arnold, uh, Cancelo, Chilwell, and Salah uh, all delivering well for him. And uh, yeah, showing no signs of slowing down. So, uh, yeah, well done, Fintan. Uh, but then, in terms of the weekly uh, performance, top three are uh, William Dollar Baby. Like that name. That's a good uh, name. <laughs> Uh, that's Rowan, Rowan Dale. Uh, Bullman's Bandits, uh, Benjamin Bullman. And What's Rup Skip, uh, which is managed by Damien Cramery. So they, they got 96 points, 94 points, and 91 points, respectively. So very, very, you know, solid weeks for them. Uh, I just click and take a quick look at uh, William Dollar Baby's uh, team this week. Uh, oh, and it's crashed. Perfect. Shall I help you out, John? Yeah, I'm trying to look at uh, Wooly and Dollar Baby's uh, so team here. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, no, it's crashed again. Yeah, go ahead. So he's got um, Cancelo, Alexander-Arnold, and he hasn't got James or Chilwell. He has Antonio Rudiger, who came in with 14 points this week. Um, he's got Cresswell and Ben Rama, who typically scored well but didn't this week. Captain Salah, uh, you've got Bernardo, you've got eight points. Tony got six for him, and St. Maximan got ten, and he got the assist for Cristiano Ronaldo. So this is a guy who he actually seems to have a pretty template team, generally, but then he's also managed to shoehorn in Cristiano Ronaldo, who's getting no points for 12 million. Imagine if he'd spent that money back, he'd be doing so well. Yeah. <laughs> that is a million-dollar baby. million-dollar baby, indeed. And he's got your um, on the bench. He's got, he's got Billy Gilmore on the bench, John. There you go. I, uh, I'm, I'm always interested in, in uh, finding the right cheap midfield options because if you're going to play a 5-2-3, you need, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you should, then you, uh, you're going to need a couple of midfielders on the bench, right? And uh, so that's why, uh, yeah, Gilmore is, is, is one to watch at the moment. Um, <laughs> We'll do bottom. Uh, I might need you to look at it again if my team, if, if, if this crashes when I click the link. But bottom of the week uh, this week is Vodka Juniors. And uh, that's managed by Richard Walsh, unlucky Richard. Uh, 30 points this week. And he's got 593 points for the season. Uh, so, you know, not, not terrible. Uh, but he's had a terrible week. And let's see if I can click in. I can. No. I could for a second, and it crashed. But uh, Andy, <laughs> would you help me out? 
<laughs> well, he's definitely had a shocker uh, this week. He's got uh, he's captain Bruno Fernandez, which uh, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, I mean, even the Man U fans aren't doing things like that. Um, he's got he's got Salah, obviously not captain. Um, Antonio Wilson, Luke Shaw, Bednarek didn't play. A lot of players didn't play at all. Actually, he's got Bednarek, Kufal, uh, Zamberek, who I've never heard of, and Ailing. All of whom got zero. So um, yeah, not a great week. But I think actually. 30 points is a pretty high bar for the lowest score of the week. We normally end up with some some 20s. So uh, I think he's pretty unlucky with a 30-point score to end up bottom this week. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, unluck- unlucky, I suppose. But, uh, you know, just I, I'm, I'm not going to go too far in my yeah criticism of it. 30 points, I've had weeks as bad as that, and uh, it could be me with up in that one week. <laughs> It did. All right. Well, um, that brings us to the end of the podcast. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up now. But uh, thanks everybody for listening. Of course, if you if you aren't already subscribing to us, then please do it. Please do at FPL FF Fanatics is our is our podcast name, and you can find us on Twitter as well. Um, and now we'll say thank you very much for your uh, contribution today, John. Thank you. Glad to be here from uh, sleepy Seattle. And thank you, Ben. Uh, you're welcome. It was it was a rough week for me, Captain and Kane, but I'm glad I was not the only one to do that, John. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> united in, uh, in, in captaining Tottenham players. So uh, let's all just not make that mistake next week, shall we? Shall we, shall we all make a pact to uh, make sure we captain Salah? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Kane playing Burnley. He doesn't even a really good record against Burnley, John. Oh, well, it does. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.